Love matters most. And I like writing books that celebrate that. Hi, everyone, and welcome to One True Pairing, a.k.a. OTP. I'm Erica. And I'm Marissa. And today I'm stupid excited because we have a really, really, really very super special guest. It's Laura Reith. Hi, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You may not know Laura's name, and that's really not okay, but um, Laura is the publicist for a super special lady. Do you want to tell her? I kind of just want to clarify. Laura is not yeah, just publicist her publicist. Yeah, is not the right word. I it's struggle with this all the time. I feel like you're like the gatekeeper. Border is, collie. No. <laughs> Border collie. You are adorable, but no. <laughs> no, no, I am. I, I have barked at her in public. <laughs> I believe it. Go I here, believe go it. there, go here. So I believe and it. And bark I bark for her. I do bark for yes. her a lot, yes, on all sorts of things. But I don't think you've said who it is. I, I have haven't. not said who it is. Uh, Laura works very, very closely with the one, the only, Nora Roberts. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about you? Um, yes, I'm Laura Reith, and I have worked with Nora since August of 2005, but I was a reader before then, and um, I can remember finding her for Silhouette back in 1983 and thinking, I really like this writer, and following her through bigger books as they went along, and so I went from being a, a reader to somebody who kind of runs her life. And that's and it in really a nutshell. Well, <laughs> yeah, and really, really well. It's impressive, the shit you keep in your brain. Yeah, there's a lot of things <laughs> in my brain. I'm afraid it's leaking a little bit these days, but... <laughs> it's kind right. of amazing. I, I love just the care that you both, that you and Nora have for her fans is just really beautiful to see. I work with you so much on social media, and just, it's... So many authors, I think, use it as a tool, and she really uses it to connect with her readers and to talk to them and to answer very annoying questions they have for her and with and with respect as much as possible because she really wants to have a good relationship with them. Absolutely, because for every person who's heard a question 16,000 times, there's someone who's just thought of it and exactly. thinks it's brilliant. So mm-hmm. um, so in honor of Laura being with us today and in honor of Nora, we are first of all drinking some really nice sh- champagne. Vouve you say Vouv Cli- <laughs> We're drinking some Vouve Clicquot, yeah. um, which is her is, favorite. It's Nora's favorite, and we feel real fancy right now. We're very fancy. So yes, fancy. And you should see the glasses. They are super special crystal. Yes. <laughs> and AKA, cut in Italy. <laughs> AKA plastic glasses that we bought from Michael's. <laughs> um, so Everything works. We're yeah, each going to be talking about our top favorite Nora OTP. Um, she's written over like 200 books so there's a lot to choose from um, and you really can't go wrong then we're going to talk a bit about Laura's long career with Nora and we're going to go through some fun stories about Nora which I'm excited about so does this all sound good yeah all sounds good all right let's do this so Laura you're gonna go first who's your favorite Nora Roberts couple and why did you pick them well my favorite uh, Nora Roberts couple is Brooks Gleason and Elizabeth Fitch a.k.a. Abigail Lowry from The Witness. Uh, That's Nora's 200th book and happens to be dedicated to me. How perfect. So, (laughs) yes, I think that feels convenient, doesn't it? But I will say, you know, having read all of her books and just knowing readers who've read her for a long time, this consistently pops up as her most recent turn to favorite books. Mm -hmm. Um, So a little bit about the story is... um, 
Elizabeth Fitch is a, a young girl. She's a teenager, and her life is proscribed by her very rigid mother, who she later finds out basically bred her as a scientific experiment to have a perfect child. Um, she has an eidetic memory, and I hope I said that right. I think I did. Um, <laughs> and, right. and she um, basically, one night, one night, uh, she breaks rules, and she sneaks out, and she hangs out with a person from a girlfriend from school who's not really a friend, but they connected. And during the course of the event of that whole evening, um, her life falls apart. She witnesses a murder. She ends up having to go into witness protection. She's um, finally meets two adults who enjoy her, who think she's interesting and not just someone who's programmed to go to class all the time and be in the best colleges and only the right programs. And um, and there's a leak, and the uh, safe house uh, location is exposed, and the two marshals who she most connects with uh, are killed um, but help her get away. Um, then the next section opens up, and it's in this small town in Arkansas, and Brooks Gleason is the um, he's the sheriff, and he's lived there all his life. He moved to Little Rock, Arkansas, was a police detective there, came back home when his dad had a heart attack, and now is the sheriff. And he notices this rather odd woman who's odd in that she's gorgeous and interesting, but she talks to nobody. She mixes up the time she comes into um, into town. And, um, and then so he decides to make a conversation with her and notices she's carrying concealed weapon. And that's their meet cute. So the best part about it is Abigail has a voice unlike any character Nora ever wrote. And a lot of people have said she's a, somewhat similar to um, Bones, the doctor mm-hmm, in Bones. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so basically what happens is Brooks breaks down um, the uh, walls that uh, Abigail's built up over the years because she's been on the run. And so basically she learns to open up her life, he learns to protect women who, who knows how to protect herself. And um, she finds family. And then that's everything about this book is a Nora book. You've mm-hmm. got an interesting hero and heroine. You've got family that's strong. The best line that I, I share with readers like once every six months is um, she would rather take on the Russian mafia than figure out what to bring to a barbecue. <laughs> and that's very true. That's what it's the whole so thing. Fair. She yeah. does not understand family at all, but she's willing to learn. And um, so they are my favorite. I love it. That was a good one. I remember <laughs> reading The Witness, too, back in the day when I worked on Nora many moons ago. Mm-hmm. That is kind of a fun fact that all three of the women in this room have all worked on Nora in some capacity, shape, or form over the course of our careers. Two of you still work on Nora. Mm -hmm. Not physically. Right. (laughs) Well, no. Do you want to do yours? I'm ready for mine. I'm so excited about it because I got to reread it in Mm -hmm. anticipation of this podcast. It is my favorite Nora Roberts books of all time. You stole it from me. I did? (gasps) Mm -hmm. Oh. But I bet you're not going to think of which couple I was going to go over. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. So my favorite Nora Roberts book of all time is The Villa. But my favorite couple is not the main couple in the book, which is Sophia and Ty. And there's nothing wrong with Sophia and Ty. They're nothing. wonderful. They're both, they're very opposites attract kind of. So the plot of the book is Sophia's part of this big wine empire family. Mm-hmm. 
Like, it, think of Empire, the show, music-wise, but it's a winery. Okay. And it stems from Italy. <laughs> They're very fancy. They've got a winery in Italy. They've got one in Napa Valley in California. Um, Sophia's the marketing person, and she's, like, tough and razor-sharp and slick and really cool. And then Ty is of the earth. He handles the vines. He handles the ventiers. He handles all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um and their love story is great. I love how they meet. Well, because they've known each other for years. Right. So it's not like a meet cute. But you kind of, you get sucked into how they wind up realizing that they're very attracted to each other. My OTP in this couple, though, is her mom, Pilar, oh. and David Cutter. Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> David Cutter is hot as the day is long. Mm-hmm. He really is. And Pilar doesn't know how hot she is. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of, it's so Pilar's marriage to Tony Arvello, who is Sophia's father, is a very unhappy one. They're separated for a good seven years. They've been married for almost 30. He's a philanderer. He's stealing money from the company. He's just, you're all around like slick, average fuckboy. And they're separated. He finally comes to her. He's like, I want a divorce because I'm going to marry, you know, new trophy wife, who's this blonde chick named Renee Fox with two X's, which I always appreciated. I was going to say red flag. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Renee is the worst. Um, but Pilar is, you know, she's very elegant. She's very genteel. She turns her head aside to all of those things because she really did love him. And mm-hmm. he gave her her daughter, who's the light of her life. Then the senora, who's the grandma who basically runs the entire show, and mm-hmm. she's amazing, and I want to be her when I grow up. <laughs> um, she brings in a new COO whose name is David Cutter. Now, David Cutter is five years younger than Pilar. Okay. Single dad with two kids. Cool kids. But David Cutter meets Pilar when he first gets to the villa, because the villa is named after the actual villa where the family lives in California. And it's like thunderbolts. He's immediately stricken by her. Mm -hmm. She's gorgeous. She's poised. She's elegant. She's Again, she's all of these amazing things that she doesn't recognize because her husband was such a shit. Right. And he, he tries to flirt with her in a gentle way, but when that stops working best scene in the book she was just told by the family that she sucks at office work and they're trying to give her something else to do as part of the office business a uh, part of the business and he agrees with them yeah okay <laughs> she's pissed she's in her greenhouse and he just decides you know what i've been trying to do this gently now i'm gonna really woo you and he like grabs her and puts her on top of the table where she's like repotting plants and pots go everywhere and it's <laughs> the hottest first kiss i think i've ever read in my life Oh, it is. It's a great scene. It's amazing. It is a great scene. It's amazing. They're my favorite character. Marissa, if you've not read the villa, you have to read the villa. I'm going to. I'm going to read both of these because I haven't read the witness either. And there's girl. And... There's a girl power theme to yeah oh, the villa throughout. as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's great. It's it was so good. It's a good read. Yeah. I give that to people usually as yeah. a gift. It's for, a good... like first time reading Nora. If you've never read Nora, it's right. a really wonderful entry point. You can't point. go wrong. It's right. Nora. I also and give them the witness and say, just read the dedication and put it away. So. <laughs> this is all you need to know. <laughs> That's all you need to know. It's to me. Yes. So. Oh, I love it. Those are both amazing recommendations. Your turn. Okay. Um, so I picked. This is like the earliest. Nora book I can remember reading when I was younger. My mom always had all her books around. Um, so it was a trilogy called the Three Sisters Island Trilogy. And it's about uh, three women who live on this island off the coast of Massachusetts. And um, witchy things happen. They, <laughs> this like, basically these three witches formed the island to escape persecution by like the Puritans. Um, and then the island like sprung up and 
you know, developed. Now people live on it. And the three women are these descendants of these women. And they have to break this curse to save the whole island from crumbling into the sea. Um, so I just did an epic reread of all three of them <laughs> in, over, like, the weekend because um, they're that good. And same as Villa. You can read them in, like, a day, and they're amazing. Um, and I was trying to – because I was like, I have to pick which is my favorite couple. The whole series is one of my favorites. But um, So I thought it was going to be Mia. She's the redhead. She's, like, the feistiest one. Um and she's like the most powerful of the witches. But I actually ended up going with the second book, which is called Heaven and Earth. And that's Ripley, Todd, and McAllister Book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he is a, he's like a doctor. He has a PhD in like paranormal sciences, basically. And so he comes to investigate the island because the stuff that happens in the first book kind of brings attention to the island and reminds everybody about this uh, lore about the witches. And... Ripley Todd is the deputy sheriff, and she does not want anything to do with magic. She used to practice with Mia, but, you know, something ended their friendship earlier on, and so they have a contentious friendship, and she just wants nothing to do with magic. Um, And I just loved them because she's this, like, super badass fierce strong woman she's she's a you know she's a deputy sheriff um and he's the most dopey <laughs> like klutz i know sorry he's, clumsy he's klutzy he's, and yeah. clumsy yeah he's the most clumsy hottie you've ever met <laughs> yeah so she uh you know runs into him in town and is already has her guard up because she doesn't she doesn't trust anyone coming to the island and messing with her her island and she kind of writes him off and then she's at the local gym and sees a super hot guy, just kind of sees, like, from the neck down, he's, like, laying down, you know, doing chest presses or whatever, and she's like, oh, who's that? And she's a woman who, like, goes after what she wants, so she's going to go and, like, spot him and hit on him, and then she realizes it's him. (laughs) And she's like, shit. (laughs) And then he challenges, he he knows that she's going to, you know, only respond to him if she's kind of challenged into it, so he challenges her to a race in the pool, and he says, if I win... I want you to come talk to me for an hour and let me, you know, use my equipment and see, just like talk to me about the the magic here. I and I like the other definition of use my equipment. Sorry, that's where, <laughs> that's where my brain went. Sorry, and, it's been a long um, time since I read those books. <laughs> and he says, and if you win, I'll leave you alone for the next three months that I'm here. But of course, he wins, and yes, he so does. she has to go to the little cottage where he's staying and. And then from there, it's just like sparks flying left and right. And it is absolutely, yeah. and I think one of the things that's great about that kind that pairing is that um, he is so open to his feelings for yes, her, and yes. she is absolutely not. Yes, I really liked that actually about all three of the books, really in that series, that mm-hmm. the men are really like they know what they want, and they're willing to like let the women come to the realization that they love them too. Yeah, and she. Um, I just love her growth. I feel like she was one that like had the, some of the most growth in the series because she was so against, you know, who she was. And he, and part of her journey in the curse is to really like accept who she is mm-hmm. and accept the magic and not let that think that that takes away from like who she is as just a person. Right. And it's right. it's great. And what's so fun about a trilogy is you get to see them exactly again in the next book and you yes. can see that she's comfortable in and how I, she changed. I really love that about the whole series because you really fall in love with the entire cast of characters. You do. So that is my couple. 
Okay. I feel like we ship all three of them. I think well, we let's do. Be, I let's think be real so about too. This. I think you know what we can actually do. We can look at it this way: that mm. you know, they they each are different segments of the Nora writing verse. That's yes. true. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, I think that the witness kind of began the ushering into kind of the writing that she's doing mm-hmm. now, and um, the villa is firmly in that romantic uh, suspense. Yes. Yeah. That um, classic. And then, um, you know, Three Sisters is such a fun trilogy. Yeah. So. Before we move on to Nora's stories, I want to quickly ask what you think about Nora slowly but surely moving away from lighter subject matter into things that are a little darker. You know, one example is Shelter in Place, a book that takes place in the aftermath of a mass shooting. One, you got a couple of emails about Shelter in Place and one that said her treatment of the characters was invaluable and another one that said that if Nora continues to pursue this kind of dark subject matter, they're just not going to be able to read her anymore. Something I personally don't agree with, but I respect everyone's decisions. What do you think about writers changing up what they write? I think it's fair to say she has gone in different directions throughout her career. I mean, when she started writing category romances for Silhouette, uh, you never knew what the hero was thinking. Never. It was always the virginal heroine and mm-hmm. then the big rich guy. And, oh, my God, and in the last 10 pages, he somehow realizes he loves her, but he's loved her the entire book, but he's been really kind of rude. And um, she's she. if you look, if you read through, um, she slowly but surely added that hero's perspective. Yeah. She's always changed the genre in certain ways. So what I think is, um, I think if a writer just keeps writing the same thing over and over, it shows up in the work, and readers will step away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but readers are lazy. <laughs> readers would like to be told because they find a good storyteller, they want that storyteller right. to tell them every single detail. Past, present, future. I want to know how these characters... I just got emails about characters from her very first trilogy in 1993. Don't you think it's time to write another book about the children? <laughs> I'm like, no. 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 Um, <laughs> We're so done with that. I, I, when, when people write to me and say that they don't like a book, and they sometimes they give very cogent reasons, yeah. but she tells a wonderful story. So I feel no matter what, I am going to trust my t- storytelling to writers who have... Filled that, um, fulfilled that contract, always giving me a good story. Yeah. And that's the only thing a writer owes me is a good story. So um, she has to. Otherwise, she'd just be bored. And yeah, I don't think we'd enjoy it. That might be the best quote about writers on writing I think I've heard in a long time. Yeah. The only thing a writer owes you is a good story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it is such a fact. Yeah. It is such a fact. And that just speaks to what a great like character developer she is that people want to hear about characters she hasn't written about in absolutely years absolutely she invests you as much as she invests herself in a book definitely that's so important yeah after the break we're gonna jump into talking about our favorite nora stories So I want to ask you about one of my favorite Nora stories. Okay. What are some of your favorite Nora stories? Well, I know what you're dying to do is when I it's started the best. with Well, it is the best, but I don't I was not actually there. So I started with Nora in 2005. And believe it or not, she had a career and success before I came along. Doubtful. I know, Prove it. Not I real. Know. It's a lie. But I had heard that there was people referred her close friends referred to her at times lovingly as NFR. 
Nora effing Roberts, um, because my mother may listen to this. And, <laughs> yeah, I still pay attention to that. Um, and I do believe that story had something along, had to do with something along the lines of not being able to get a table that they had a reservation for at a conference and someone saying, well, you should go talk to them. Don't they know who you are? And she said, I'm, well, yeah, I'm Nora Effing Roberts. <laughs> now that could be very wrong, but I, I believe it, everything, stories like that all happened at conference, I, I believe. It all began at conference. All things so, should. Um, doesn't she have a sash that says Nora fucking Roberts? Yes, and one, a reader did give that to her. Uh, yes, a writer with a, a, a writer who came to turn the page. Oh, I forget which one. And her sister knew the sash makers for the uh, Miss America Corporation oh, wow. and got so her a sash. It's an sash. official Nora fucking Roberts. <laughs> it's wonderful. It is. It is. Um, but funny stories. I, you know, when, um, like I said, I was a reader before I started out. So like the first time I met her at that conference in 1988, I went over and shook my hands and I said, I'm Laura. I, I like your books and, you know. Thank you so much or something. Mm -hmm. But when I turned away in my head, it was to me, I felt like I had insulted her like, oh, your perfume smells like dead fish. I mean, in my <laughs> head, that is exactly what I said to her. I was just so petrified. Yeah. So um, so you fast forward probably to about 2009 and uh, RWA was in Washington, D.C. And even after um, she stopped writing for writing new fiction for um, Silhouette, she was always invited to the Harlequin mm -hmm. party, which was a party of epic proportions. There was dancing and, you know. So no matter how close we were to the party, we normally got a car because everybody was dressed up in high heels. And so um, we had a we had a car and um, we were at the, we were dancing and having a good time. And Nora has a lifelong her friend for decades, Ruth Langan, who's mm -hmm. another writer, and we all love her. Um, <laughs> and Ruth is is so calm and cool and collected, but she is the mother of five children. And when she wants something, she pulls out the mom. Mm -hmm. And so we were sitting there, and it was getting loud and late. And she said to me, um, Laura, I'd like to go. And I said, okay, well, when Nora gets back from the dance floor, and she goes, Laura, I want to leave now. <laughs> I was like, I'll get Nora right now. So I went and I got her. I had them, and we were going to bring one friend back to the hotel. She was ex expecting. And so we were going to bring her, and I, I left them standing on the curb. And I said, I've called our driver. Just wait right here. Yeah. I go running upstairs, find the friend. I come back with the friend. They are Gone. Oh, no. <laughs> gone. I have no idea you where they lost are. Nora fucking and Roberts. I lost Nora fucking Roberts. <laughs> Lincoln, which is probably the scarier thing to me. Um, so I see to the left, far at the end of the driveway, our driver shrugging like, what the hell? <laughs> and then I see a driver right in front of me in a white limo. We had a black limo. And he's like, I think they're here. <laughs> so I go over <laughs> and I like looking at it. I was like, get out. Get out of there. Get over there. And they get out and they're like, hey, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I was like, get out of there. I was like, that's our car. You don't ever leave me. And so I found out like a year later that somebody I got to know mm -hmm. after the effect, fact said, I was out there having um, a chat with somebody and I watched you and I said, I want to meet that woman. <laughs> she yelled at Nora Roberts. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah. So kind of that is the, that's kind of the stories I have, which is, you know, um, when I'm just bitching and moaning and saying you got to go here no you got to go here and um but she's you know she's had such an she will be able to tell you stories upon stories when we would fly to conference and we'd be flying you know 
to California. And like over the, the airplane map would show where we're flying over like Tulsa and then a tiny town outside of Col- Tulsa, Oklahoma. And she's like, oh, yeah, I was there. I spoke at a news, st- I, you know, I did a news show at 6 a.m. in a cow field, you know, <laughs> and she just she had um, she did a lot of touring and she did a lot of schlepping her things. And I fully respect that she would prefer to stay home and let me answer yes, the questions definitely. from now on. So but she yes, has earned her spot. Yeah, she she's earned her. She's earned her. <laughs> but basically, yeah, my power now is I can yell at her. And um, <laughs> it's yeah. a superpower. It is. Yeah. It is a superpower. But yeah, there's only so many limits. Um, but basically, you know, the other only other story I do have to tell go is go when go I ahead. lived when I started working with her. I like to say we had to contractually be five hours apart. I was in Scottsdale, Arizona. I had to be a five-hour plane ride. And then we moved to Raleigh, North Carolina. I had to be a five-hour car ride. Now I live 30 minutes away, and that's acceptable. Um, but there was a, a period of time a couple of years ago where we had three different events. And one was like a family-related event, and one was two personal ones. And I said, you know, I think it makes more sense for me to stay here if I can in the because I'd stay up at their house and um, on signing weekends, and so she said very seriously, "Well, yeah, yeah, you can, but you um, you can't breathe the air on the upper level after eight a.m. because the house is empty. It's just me and the dogs. <laughs> you know, you just you know." I was like, "Oh, okay." So I would have coffee in their kitchen, and then I slept my the bedroom that I I use was on their their lowest ground floor level, mm-hmm. and her office is on the third level, and like this the medium place, <laughs> so. Her husband would go off to work, and I'd do some work downstairs and then finally, like, be tired of my own company. And I would email her from the ground floor of her house to say, I'm leaving. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> but one time, I was doing work at her dining room table, and I got caught up, and I didn't get downstairs at my deadline. And the next thing I know, she's coming down the stairs she's in the middle of work mode. She's talking to herself and she's like pacing back and forth. And all I did was shrink as low as I could to the top of the table saying, don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I bet she's in there just like channeling magic and that's where all her ideas come from. Oh, absolutely. And and probably, yeah. And probably if I'd said something, I would have scared the heck out of her. She would have jumped out of her skin. Oh, you're here. That's right. (laughs) You're not supposed to be here. But the thing is, people ask, how can she do it? And that's exactly how. She has the, I like the house. I I need the quiet. I need to work. I need to do this and don't interrupt me. Yeah. And I respect that. And she writes every day. Well, yeah. I think right now she writes, um, Monday through Friday, but I know last year to finish come sundown, she worked 15 straight days Yeah, because she just wanted to get it done. She has her personal deadlines and, you know, um, she just likes to stay ahead. It's hard not to respect that. She It's a job. Yeah. It's a job. job. She has a job to her readers. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she sits and she's like, I am going to make this a thing. This is my priority. I These are the hours out of the day that I am carving out to make sure that I'm delivering what I need to deliver to my readers in a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to respect that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's that. So thank you so much, Laura, for being on. This has been amazing. Uh, tell people where they can find you. 
They can find me, well, I'm going to plug the Nora blog, which is www.fallintothestory.com. And there's a lot of uh, slices of Nora's life, which is a lot of fun. And then for me personally, I spend a lot of time taking pictures. So I'm on Instagram as LMReeth, R-E-E-T-H on Instagram. And just you see my red hair, you see flowers, you see anything that makes me happy. So um, that's what I do. So for everyone who listened and is now obsessed with figuring out more about Nora and her books, you can get Nora books basically wherever books are sold. They're sold sold across all formats. And don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. You can subscribe to the show for free on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or literally anywhere that you can find podcasts. Literally is the word for the day. Literally. And we definitely want to hear from you with all of your couple ideas, segment ideas, you name it. We want to know about it. You can either tweet at us at OTP underscore pod or shoot us an email to OTP at Macmillan.com. That's OTP at M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N.com. Definitely let us know who your favorite Nora couples are. We want to hear about that. So tweet at us. If you don't agree with ours, though, I mean, tweet at us, but please expect us to be like, no, you're wrong. The Villa couples are the best couples. Although I will listen to some cogent arguments. If you're hysterical, no. (laughs) I will not listen to cogent arguments or hysterical arguments. Pilar and David are the best. Fight me. All right. On that note, cheers. (laughs) Cheers. Clink. Cheers. Clink. One Shoe Pairing is produced by our goddess, Becky Celestina, with support from the fabulous Alexander Abnos and Katie Ferguson. The senior editor of Macmillan Podcast is the amazing Alyssa Martino. To find out more about OTP and all of Macmillan's other awesome shows, visit us at macmillanpodcast.com. 